Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I am your host, and I'm excited today to to offer as my guest, Dr. Mort Orman. Dr. Mort Orman, MD, is an internal medicine physician with 40 years of success as an anger elimination expert. He's the creator of Angry No More, a 10-session quick anger mastery program that has proven to be extremely effective for helping people overcome longstanding anger issues. Dr. Orman has led more than 100 anger and stress elimination workshops for doctors, nurses, lawyers, business owners, entrepreneurs, other professionals, and even the FBI. He's also been the official sponsor of National Stress Awareness Month in the U.S. every April since 1992. So welcome, Dr. Moore, to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Thank you for having me, Brett. Happy to be here. So I've got to admit, I never even knew that there was a National Stress Awareness Month. So I've learned something new already today. So what what prompted you to even get involved in that in the first place? Well, um, for the last 40 years, even when I was practicing medicine, I developed an interest in stress. And uh, I've been doing that for 40 years. And so I have a nonprofit organization that um, I started uh, back in like 1982. And uh, in 1992, we created National Stress Awareness Month, and we've been sponsoring it ever since. So is more of your time these days, Dr. Morton, spent in the practice of internal medicine or in your anger management activities? Well, I'm retired from practice now. Okay. So, uh, But in my retirement career, I now have more time to devote to <laughs> my true love, which is teaching people how to eliminate stress and particularly how to eliminate anger from their life. So um, I go around doing a lot of speaking on that topic, and I do coaching for people one-on-one and um, just try to spread the word, you know, that it's, uh, it's not all that difficult to end anger problems, even if people have been struggling for years and years without much success. All right, so let's talk about your speaking journey a little bit. So did you start in the speaking arena prior to becoming involved in the anger stress management arena, or is that an after the invention of that, so to speak? Well, well, actually, I had a tremendous fear of public speaking going all the way back to the the first grade. Um, My first public speaking opportunity came in the first grade. It was a big assembly. And all the parents and teachers and students were there. And my class, we each had a paragraph of a story to memorize. And they put us on stage like the Rockettes, you know, in a line. Yeah, no, and, no pressure there, huh? Yeah, and, and one by and they had a microphone in the middle of the stage. 
and each of us would come up one by one and recite our paragraph, which we had practiced. We, we memorized it. We could recite it backwards and forwards. I knew mine perfectly. Um, everybody got up and I was like fifth or sixth from the end. And so it was my turn. Um, I, the principal, you know, ushered me out to the microphone and I, I, of course, I'd never practiced in front of an audience. So I, I stand out in front of the audience and I, in the back of the room, there must have been 200 people there. In the back of the room was all mirrors. Oh. <laughs> so it looks like there was 5,000 people there. <laughs> and I really, I just, I just went blank. I just I like mumbled the first word or two and then I just couldn't say anything else. I just kept saying that over and over again. And, and the, the principal felt sorry for me and put me back in line and said, don't worry, you'll have another chance when these other people finish. And they, they finished, he came back to me and said, would you like to go back again? I said, no. <laughs> from that point on, from that point on, it was like public speaking was the mo most awful thing, you know, that I that I ever did. I, I was a basket case whenever I had to do it. I would avoid it like the plague. I would make up excuses, you know, to not do it. So all through my academic career, including in medical school, all the way through medical school, I had tremendous anxiety about speaking and and um, it, it was horrible. It was horrible. I, I'd be anxious two days before a talk, during the talk, and a couple days after the talk, you know, going over mistakes I made and all of a sudden, it was just a nightmare, a nightmare. So the fact that it was one of the things that I, I had a number of, of stresses like that in my life, stressful situations in my life that I struggled with for years that I was eventually able to actually overcome and completely cure. And, and public speaking fear was one of the big ones. And I actually coach people now and help people, you know, um, who have public speaking fear issues. Isn't it, so. isn't it funny how events like that, that, you know, probably 60 years in your past or so, stick so vividly in your mind all these years oh, later? Yeah. And then you just, I just reinforced it by just dreading, you yeah. know, from that one experience. And then, and then so you, either you don't have a lot of, you don't get a lot of experience because you are avoiding it or the experiences you have are negative and they just confirm the, the hypothesis that it's a scary thing to speak in public, that I don't have the skill to do it, that uh, I wasn't blessed with the public speaking gene, <laughs> you know, that I imagined good public speakers had at the time. So <clears throat> I, there were all these things about public speaking that I imagined that turned out not to be true. So how do you go from stumbling and bumbling as a first grader to being comfortable in front of the microphone and not having that phobia anymore? Well, it came from the, the whole transformation I had in my mid-30s. Um, I already in practice, went through medical school, went through medical training, uh, three years of internship and residency, opened my private practice, and started doing personal development work. And I, I started learning lots of stuff that I wasn't taught in medical school about being human you know, human beings and what happens for us. And, and um, you know, they don't teach you much about that in medical school. They teach you about hearts and lungs and kidneys and livers, but not a lot about the human beings that possess those organs. So I had to kind of figure that out on my own. And um, the, the personal development stuff was very helpful. But I started piecing things together from different sources, different programs that I participated in to solve some of the, the, the anxieties and the anger issues and the other stressful issues that I had in my life. And um, they all had sort of a similar theme, the solutions, that is, where what enabled me to cross that line from being extremely uh, anxious as a speaker to being very comfortable as a speaker, which I now am, uh, was 
discovering all the internal thoughts and behavior tendencies that I had around public speaking that were kind of crazy and wrong. But I didn't know it at the time. It seemed I thought they were true. You know, so mm -hmm. so I thought public speaking was hard. I thought it was scary in and of itself. I thought that, you know, if you made one mistake, the audience would turn on you and you wouldn't you wouldn't have had a successful talk. I was very perfectionistic at the time. I thought I had to I had to deliver a perfect performance, you know, and so I would practice real hard and memorize, you know, and be that would just make me more anxious that I was going to miss something or slip up or something. And I eventually realized that all that stuff was just fantasy, you know, that, that that's not the truth about public speaking. So when I started to discover what was really true about public speaking and to ground myself in those principles and to let go of the old ideas that I had gotten from who knows where, you know, probably made up a lot of them myself, but I started to, to get some sense of what public speaking is really about. And then I started going out and taking opportunities to speak from those new principles. And I found out, gee, it's not so bad. You know, it's, I, I was much less anxious. I had a better idea of um, what it was all about and how to go about doing it. I never got instruction from anybody, you know, how to do it. Um, but it, it all came from discovering the crazy ideas I had about public speaking that were wrong, which were inside of me. So I really wasn't aware of them until I started doing this personal development work and discovering other things about myself that I, ideas I had that were wrong or ideas about life that were wrong. So it was this constant discovery, which by the way, as a doctor, the last thing in the world you ever want to do is be wrong about anything. <laughs> so it yeah, was you, not, yeah, you guys are infallible. I know it, it was not. Well, I mean, when you're practicing, that's the, that's your train, you're trained to never make a mistake. You know, it's yeah. the worst thing in the world and never, there's nothing valuable about being wrong. And then I discovered, quite surprising to me is that there's a lot of power in being willing to admit you're wrong about things. Now, you don't want to do that when you're a brain surgeon or a doctor in your field, but outside of that, you know, in your home life and your personal life, things you're dealing with, being wrong is the gateway to really discovering how life really works in many, many dimensions and, and how things can be really easy. That's very profound, actually. So, in my mind, Dr. Mort, there are three kinds of speakers. You have your keynote speaker, paid a fee, obviously, to go into an association or corporation and deliver a talk. You yeah. have what I would call the platform seller who goes in you know, to a multi-speaker event, delivers their content, and then makes an offer of some continuing education on the back end of that talk. Mm -hmm. Or what I, number three, call the business builder speaker. So they're just a chiropractor or financial planner. They speak to the local groups just to make people aware of what they do. With the thought of obviously being that hopefully they'll have a need for their type of service at some point in time in the future. So which of those arenas do you play in? And if more than one, which is your favorite? Yeah, I don't do a lot of keynotes, um, but uh, I, I do the, the, the other two that you talk about. So I'm, I'm mostly I speak at summits. I speak on podcasts like this. Um, I speak on some live stages where I'm talking about anger. I'm talking about how people can get rid of their anger problems and you know, we have a lot of myths and misconceptions about what's possible around anger. So I try to bust some of those myths mm -hmm. so that people realize that they really can do something about it. So and, and hopefully, you know, get them interested in working with me so that they go through my coaching program and where I can teach them how to do that. You know, because I've developed I've really boiled it down to like a 10 session program where I can give people massive turnarounds 
in their experience of anger and their ability to control their anger in just 10 short sessions. And so I'm trying to encourage people to first know that that solution exists because most people don't. It's not in the anger management world, you just manage symptoms, which goes on forever. Okay, but if you're really trying to eliminate anger, which is what I like to talk about, you got to get at the causes and understand the cause, just like I did for my speaking anxiety. I really got down to the causes within me that was causing the anxiety and figured out how to how to correct them. Well, I did the same thing for anger. I eventually figured out what was driving my anger inside me, not so much the things I was looking at outside of me that were bothering me or upsetting me, but what was going on inside me. And once I figured out what was going on, then I could step in and take control of it. So it was, it was a similar process. And, and that's what I'm encouraging people to, letting them know that that works, that it worked for me, it worked for a lot of people that I've, that I've uh, coached over the last 40 years. So it's very doable. And very few people in the anger uh, management field, which I'm not in, by the way, I'm in the anger elimination field, but most of the people in the anger uh, eradication field are, are not talking about the possibility that I know exists and that could really make a big difference in people's lives. All right, we'll dive into that in a little bit more shortly, but I want to ask you a little bit more about your speaking specifically, and that is, first question is, What's working best for you these days in terms of landing speaking engagements? Well, I found there's a lot of there's a lot of summits that are um, either free or low cost to participate in, mm -hmm. and you get a lot of good exposure. Um, plus, there are there are a lot of services around that um, or or groups uh, that help people find stages or that they have stages or they put people together you know, who are, who are putting on summits mm -hmm. with people who are interested in speaking at summits, you know, and they, they hold them once every two weeks, uh, network, networking events where you can participate from like me as a speaker, since I don't have a stage of my own that I invite people onto like you do. Mm -hmm. um, I go there to those events and find people like yourself who have stages and, you know, are looking for guests. And, and that, that's been very productive. Um, give me lots of speaking opportunities. Um, I, I know there's other, you can hire people to book you, you know, be like your broker or something like that, which I haven't done yet, but there, there are lots of other ways to do it. But that's what I've been doing mostly. All right. So give me maybe, let's say, three biggest keys to being successful as a speaker, in your opinion. Um, <clears throat> I, I think getting rid of the fear so that you can stand up on stage and just be yourself and, and know that you have something valuable to share with people and to be able to sort of be spontaneous and authentic in communicating, just like I'm doing right now. I don't, I didn't know what question you were going to ask me. I didn't know how I was going to respond, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I'm just authentically, honestly telling you what I believe and what, what my experience has been and, and without any anxiety about how somebody's going to judge that answer or not. Um, and, and knowing, in fact, that most people aren't going to judge it, which I didn't know before. I thought everybody was real judgy and <laughs> evaluating you. But I found out the audiences are very forgiving, you know, and, and, and um, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to, you know, have a polished, you know, perfect, uh, you know, speech. Uh, as long as you have something of value that you're giving to people. So that's like point number two is always have something of value or value could be entertainment, it, it could be education, it could mm -hmm. be whatever. But but always know that what you're there to do is 
to contribute value to a group of people. And not everybody in the audience, not 100% of the audience is going to perceive it as valuable. Right. There, there will always be people who, for one reason or another, don't connect with or intersect with what you're sharing, even though you might think it's really great and valuable to everybody. There's people in the audience, for one reason or another, that are going to tune out or are going to not be interested. And that's okay. That's part of the process. But as long as you know that you have something of value to most of the people there, then to me, that, that's what I discovered is really the essence of public speaking. It's not getting adoration or acceptance or applause or acknowledgement from the audience. It's actually giving and having something to give. So I would yeah. say that was the second point. Yeah. So that raises a question, Dr. Morton, and that is how do you measure the success of a speech? Uh, well, there, I mean, you can measure it in terms of how many, if you're offering something, a free um, uh, handout that people can download, you know, the, the number of people that actually sign up for your your free thing uh, and, and download it is one me measure of success. Uh, people who eventually contact you and want to have a conversation about should they participate in your program or not, is it right for them? Th those are the main mark, main outcomes. Mm -hmm. But I, I also have, I judge the quality of my presentation basically on my own standards of how, how again, how comfortable I felt, how well I thought I communicated and mm -hmm. shared what I wanted to share. Because like I said, I don't usually go in scripted. Occasionally I do, but usually I know kind of what I, I know the value. I know the two or three key things, points that I want to develop. And, and I have talked about them a lot in the past, so I kind of know how to talk about them. So, but I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. You know, I'm, I'm actually curious uh, to find out how I discuss each time, because I do it differently each time. And I may bring up an example that I never brought up before. It just occurred to me when I'm speaking. So it, it's great to be able to be in that flow state where you're, you're, you're not memorized um, and, you're, and you're just mm -hmm. communicating, sharing your experience, and right. things will appear in the moment that you just take advantage of and you go with that you may have never done before in another talk, you know, so I, uh, yeah, so that's how I kind of judge it. All right, so I've got a couple other questions I want to ask you, but before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world, and now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world? If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spot on the Speaking Show. My guest this week is Dr. Mort Orman. And the first question I want to ask you now, Dr. Mort, is... All right. Given your area of expertise, what are maybe two or three tips you'd have for the speaker who's dealing with stage fright and how to overcome that anxiety and the stressful situation that they're dealing with? Yeah. The first tip I would give them is to appreciate the fact that public speaking is not inherently stressful. It only gets stressful if we make it stressful. It only is, is anxiety producing if we're generating the anxiety. And I didn't realize back, you know, in my early years that that's in fact what I was doing. Okay. So I didn't have any way to stop it. But, and I also believed that it was public speaking was the problem, that it was just inherently stressful. And most people believe that today. Mm -hmm. And what I found out, it is not. It is actually 
sometimes when I'm speaking on stage now, I'm more comfortable than when I'm sitting on my couch watching Netflix. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just that relaxed. It, it's fun. You know, it's literally fun to get up in front of people, get the energy of the room, share something, see people's response, kind of interact with it. It's, mm -hmm. So the, this myth that it's an, it's, it's one of the most anxiety producing experience is just a myth. And, and what it means is that we're generating the anxiety and you have to figure out if that's true, you have to figure out how you're doing it. And, and that's the journey I went on, you know, many years ago to, okay, how am I generating this anxiety that I'm blaming on public speaking, but it's really coming from me. And then I was able to put the puzzle pieces together and figure out exactly how I was making myself crazy <laughs> about public speaking that I didn't need to. <laughs> so what if they can't overcome that mental block easily? They can. They just need the right help. I mean, it's not that hard. It's not that easy to do on your own. But if, if there are plenty of people that coach people on how to get over public speaking anxiety. There are plenty of programs. Um, uh, you you got to get the right principles, and then you got to go out and actually put yourself in front of, you know, put yourself on stages. Either it's a Toastmasters group or something where you have the ability to, you get these new ideas, and then okay, can I, can I speak from them? Can I, can I create a new experience for myself of public speaking through getting some good advice from books or people or whatever? YouTube videos, wherever you get the advice, or whatever programs on how to conquer public speaking fear. The point is to know that it's within you and you can conquer it if it's within you. It's All right. It's, so now my most favorite question, and that is, okay, bear your soul a little bit here, Dr. Morton. Maybe tell me an embarrassing speaking experience you had that was uncomfortable at the time, but a valuable lesson was learned and something you would highly advise aspiring speakers not to do. Yeah, it was interesting when I graduated medical, a couple of years after I graduated medical school, our University of Maryland Medical School, they would do a, a um, orientation retreat for the incoming freshman students for the new medical school year. And it would be in early August and they would rent a, a, a facility somewhere in Maryland where they could put a couple hundred people there. And there would have to be some alumni and teachers they would have small group meetings and I was invited to be a keynote speaker for their big keynote presentation. So I had like three hours to work with a group and I and, and the person who invited me was a psychologist and I told them my plan, what I was going to talk about. And they agreed and it was all set up. And then I, at the last minute, I was asked to drive a, um, a fourth year medical student to the event from Baltimore. So it was like an hour and a half drive. And so we talked during the whole drive and she's telling me about all this horrible experience she's having as a medical student and how difficult difficulty she's having and now you know the system is really crushing her and here I, i'm about to talk to these you know 140 kids who are coming into medical school uh -huh. <laughs> and my topic was wellness which is not something that medical school is strong in okay <laughs> they're strong in just teaching about disease but not about health and wellness so i'm there to talk about health and wellness and I drive this gal up and it just occurs to me that she would be the perfect example of how the system doesn't foster wellness. It, it doesn't, it's not strong in wellness and you're not going to get that in your education over the next four years. It was the message I wanted, you know, decided to give the kids, but the, and, and I did it and I had invited her up on the stage and um, she was willing. And um, I, I did a whole long session with her that was very threatening to the powers to be in the medical school. So the chief of psychiatry was in the uh, in the audience, 
who, who, who was upset, you know, with what I was doing and, and, and what I was communicating. So the lesson, and so some people loved it. Some people came up at the end, they were just beside themselves, like it was the best thing they'd ever seen. <laughs> and there were some people, you know, in positions of power and authority and establishment who said, no, 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 no. And what I really, the mistake I made was I hadn't cleared the change with with the powers to be and it made the person who invited me look bad in the end you know because i did like a switcheroo you know i said well, i was going to do this and, and and it it just seemed like a good idea because it seemed it was so perfect and, and it, it would have been great but i didn't take that step the political step of making sure that the people in charge and who invited me up there and were expecting one presentation you know uh when i changed it i needed to let them know before i actually well, I'm, guess, I'm guessing that was the last keynote you've done for that organization it was i wasn't <laughs> expecting to do i wasn't expecting to do a lot, a lot more but yeah um no that that uh, burned some bridges there so that was, that's a lesson learned but all right so now i'd like to give you a couple of minutes dr mort if you would to tell people a little bit more about what it is that you do and how they can get involved in your world if they so choose yeah, well, the main thing I'm doing right now is I'm helping people who have anger issues and they've been struggling with anger issues um, and they haven't been able to, you know, crack the code. They haven't been able to get rid of it, uh, which was my which was me back in my 20s and 30s. I had a lot of anger issues and no matter what I did, I just couldn't control my anger. And then, like I said, I went through this personal development journey for several years, got a lot of good information and eventually solved my anger problems. So we're the last... 40 years I've had very little anger in my life. And so I teach people how to make that transition now from being an angry guy or gal to being a not so angry guy or gal. I'm hardly ever angry guy or gal. And I had developed a 10 session program that I could take people through with 10 one hour sessions over Zoom when I coach them in my, in my approach. And it's been working, it's been working for years very well, but the 10, the 10 session thing has only been going on for the last year or so where I can boil it down to just 10 sessions. So that's what I invite people to do. Um, it's, it's not a big investment of time and money on their, on their part, but it gives them a, a great system for understanding anger that they can have for the rest of their life. At the end of the 10 sessions, they have the system, they know how to use it. Uh, they've had a lot of coaching on it. And they've had a lot of looking at their own personal anger examples and how they could reduce them. Uh, mm -hmm. by using this system. So it's very fulfilling for me. It's very gratifying for the people who go through it. And that's what I talk about. And that's what uh, I invite people to do. And they're going to go where to find out more information about that, doctor? Uh, they can go to um, theangersolution.org, theangersolution.org. And um, they can put in their name and the email and get a, a short PDF handout that talks about anger in general and talks about my program and how they can email me if they want to set up a time to talk and, and if they're interested in finding out more about the program. All right. Outstanding. Well, thank you, Dr. Mort Ormer, for being my guest on this episode of the Spot on a Speaking Show. As always, I thank everybody out there for listening or watching the show. If you haven't been to SpotlightOnSpeaking.com, by all means, do so and register with your favorite service to be notified of upcoming episodes. And as always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. And may this year be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website 
at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.